science. Very welcome uh, to this week's edition of uh, Love and Science. It's Andrew Glester and me this week, as uh, very often, as usual, and it's always a pleasure to have uh, your company. So, Andrew, how are you? Oh, I'm very well, thank you. you um, it's lovely to be here. Last um, week you were absolutely exhausted. I was. We had to keep leaning over and hitting you with a wet <laughs> fish. Well, uh, yeah, that or just... Tell me about some astronomy news. And <laughs> oh, you came into life yeah. because you you were travelling around doing all these shows and different places and quiet a week. Uh, yes, it's been a quiet a week, um, uh, which is I suppose quite good. Had a little bit of a rest, watched I Tonya, that sort of thing, and uh, yeah, no, it's been all right. How have you been? Very good, uh, absolutely fine. Yes, I've been helping a friend do some uh, house packing. Okay, yes, we're all packing up from our house this week, so okay. it's uh, kind of a bit. Uh, exhausting, but uh, good. It's nice to see things. I'm one of those people who doesn't like untidy spaces, yeah. and uh, it gives me enormous satisfaction to clean areas up. And mm. yeah, yeah. I just, I just, I'm not available for, for help. I, I mean, I don't, <laughs> I don't want to bring the conversation back to me too quickly, but let's do that. Um, I, I, I just said I watched Itonia, which is not a science fiction film, and you didn't. No, I didn't. The reason is I don't actually know what Itonia oh, is. Oh, I see. Okay, it's a film yeah. about uh, Tonya Harding. Ah, the figure skater. Skate, uh, yeah. Skater, yes. Uh, it's a great film, but no science fiction. So, oh well. Well, it's a complete. Uh, you've taken us down the cul-de-sac already, I, well, I and we're only a few minutes into the show. <laughs> but we are lucky because we don't have to rely on Andrew and his cul-de-sac because we've got uh, our, our guest uh, today, Karen Drake. Hi, Karen. Hi there. Hi. It's great to have you with us. I'm, Thank you. I'm, I'm going to try and int- introduce you. I'm going to confess something to our listeners, because this this will amuse you and hold your interest throughout the show. I have left my glasses on the kitchen table, so I can drive with them, without them, but I can't read without them. So my computer here is the largest print I can get to make (laughs) it reasonable, and uh, Andrew's driving the desk (laughs) and pointing at me and uh, mouthing things, (laughs) and hopefully uh, we'll get through the show just fine. Uh, um, It's great to have Karen with us, um, because she is the uh, operate, I think this is called the operational director, the operations director, operations director of the engine shed, which is right by Bristol Temple Meads. Right by Temple Meads, yeah. Yeah. Part of Brunel's original old station, grade one listed building, full of innovation and the history of innovation. So a great place to be. Well, we're going to be talking about that in in, in just a minute, the the engine shed. Um, I looked you up and I found that you've been operations director at Set Squared uh, uh, in in, in Bristol. Spike Island, which of course is uh, famous in Bristol as uh, an art space. And... If, tell me if I've got this right. You're a, a, a sort of a business coach. I trained that? as a life coach, yeah. Right. I don't uh, work as one now, but I incorporate coaching within my work, yeah. Right. So, uh, oh, right, okay. So so it's not something you're, you, you currently do. But no, you, you can't you... phone me up and pay for a session. <laughs> <laughs> but, of course, you, you, you still uh, use it. Yeah. Um, and um, as, what, what does it mean to be an operations director? 
Well, I think in, uh, it differs in many organisations as to what you actually do. For me, it's looking after that marvellous Grade 1 listed building, which is owned by Bristol City Council, which we rent. Uh, it's management of some of the staff team. It's uh, some of the finance, some of the strategy, um, looking forward to projects and delivering change. Well, not, not a lot to do there. No, I'm twiddling <laughs> my fingers a lot. <laughs> and uh, um, we, we're going to talk about the fact that tomorrow, which is very relevant to our show, is um, Ada Lovelace Day. This year, it changes slightly every, every year, because I think it's the second Tuesday That's in right. October, some, something like that. Um, and uh, Ada Lovelace, who we, we uh, mention every, every year on the show, um, is very important because um, it's an opportunity uh, to right some wrongs really in, in terms of highlighting uh, the, the, the work particularly of women in, in science and uh, I know that you're doing that at the engine shed before we get to that uh, tell us a bit more about what the engine shed does. It looks fascinating. It's a really good idea. It's great. And uh, we've been operating now for five years. It's a fairly unique collaboration between Bristol City Council and the University of Bristol, who I work for. And we offer um, space to rent and we off offer opportunities for people to meet as business lounge. And we work in general in the what sounds like a difficult area of economic development but what we're actually interested in is growth it's uh, jobs it's skills it's inspiring young people into the workforce and so we produce events like this one tomorrow engine shed and tomorrow it's in collaboration with set squared which is also at the engine shed right and so set they're, they're based there yeah they yeah. are and set squared is the global number one university business incubator um working with high-tech businesses so if you run a high-tech business in bristol and you're growing your business then set squared's the place to be all right uh so what kinds of businesses are there in Set Squared, they're all high-tech, yeah. technology-related businesses, um, all sorts of technologies. In Engine Shed, we have tenants who are also tech-related. So, for example, we have Oracle Cloud Computing. They have their um, Cloud Accelerator program with us. We have learning providers. So one of the things in terms of our skills and learning development is alternative learning pathways. So university may not be for everyone or may not be for everyone right now. And it's an opportunity to learn in a different way between 16 and 18. So Boom Satsuma, who are tenanted at Engine Shed. What a fantastic name. Fantastic name. name. And the energy that comes from a name like Boom Satsuma yeah. and the young yeah. people working there and the students there, they're running a range of creative courses in partnership, so at Engine Shed, at the Bottle Yard, at Ashton Stadium, in digital, in media, in journalism. And these are accelerated NVQ courses as an alternative to A-level. So they may still lead to university. They may lead straight into work because of the opportunity to work straight with industry. And I know that on your uh, website, uh, you, you talk about how uh, the whole thing is designed so people can talk to each other, exactly. bounce off of each other, get uh, uh, share ideas and so on. Does that, does that work well? It does work well. That Mr Brunel, when he built that building as an engine shed for actually trains to come in, be turned around, mm. be filled with water, go back out again, mm. he built pillars all the way down it. Those pillars are a great obstruction to people's walking flow through the building. So you have to stop and engage with somebody coming the other way. Oh, right. So <laughs> we, we like those ideas. 
is. But yes, we, we have a membership lounge, um, and all four Bristol and Bath University staff are members of the business lounge. So you've got a great academic basis, um, plus corporates and membership groups like the Institute of Directors, the Royal Society of Arts. So all sorts of people, plus our tenants, plus hot deskers and co-workers coming in from anywhere and room hirers can all meet. Um, we run events and we also host events. So we rent out our event spaces um, and we co-promote those. So we're trying to develop networks um, and to bring people together. So for us, the diversity, the inclusion, the changing the ways we work is all very much part of the DNA. I'm just struck by a very interesting lesson here that uh, may maybe businesses should have obstructions. Absolutely. Have obstructions built into your the way you do business. So Absolutely. That have to stop and negotiate with each other. Exactly that. Yeah, yeah, very, very good. Um, so, um, Ada Love, Lovelace Day, um, can you tell us a little bit about Ada Lovelace? I know we've, we've, we've talked uh, uh, about her on the show before, but yeah. uh, there, there may well be a lot of people who, who aren't, may have heard her name but not quite sure yeah. you know, why we celebrate her, what, what, what it was that she did. Well, she was born 200 and three years ago, I think. Oh. And Weirdly, uh, her birthday, I think, is, Dece is it December the 10th, something <laughs> like that. Um, but we don't celebrate her no. birthday. No, and truthfully, I don't know why we celebrate it on the second Tuesday of October. Maybe no, I, I, I should have looked at that too. I think it's random. Yeah. I, I, I did look this up. I think it's completely arbitrary because uh, people said, well, we'll just pick a day. Um, there's no particular reason why why it's the second Tuesday in, in, in November. But we can't possibly have it on her birthday because <laughs> you're competing with all kinds of Christmas parties yes. and everything else yeah. that's going on. Yeah. <laughs> but okay. I'm, I'm sorry, I rudely interrupted you. No, so. so she was born 200 years ago and she um, studied at her mother's insistence maths and science subjects and uh, with tutors, various tutors and uh, was excellent at mathematical studies. There is a backstory that her father was Byron, who was a poet, and that her mother wanted her daughter to have nothing to do with those poetic sentiments, mm. and so was very much encouraged into the, the maths. Um, she was from a privileged background, so she managed to get access to all sorts of soirees and events and occasions. Um, and at one of those, she met Babbage, who was creating uh, what was to become known as sort of the first computer. But he yeah. had a... This is Char Charles Babbage. Yeah. yeah. So he created a device which was... Um, very fit for purpose at the time um, for generating number codes and patterns. And what Ada Lovelace did was ultimately to imagine that this machine could be used for anything you could think about the sequencing of could yeah. be put through it. So yes. it wasn't just a calculus. Yes. It, it could work through steps in the program. So she gets to be acclaimed as the first computer programming, not even just the first female the first yes. computer programmer. Uh, and I believe uh, that she wrote, uh, in theory anyway, that, like the first program, she actually, actually wrote them. Because, I mean, if you say to people, who do you, who do you think did the first computer program? They, they'd scratch their heads and think, so, well, some guy who, you know, and they, they wouldn't, wouldn't think it was a, a woman back in the 18th no, century. No, and certainly not a woman who wrote a computer program for a computer that didn't even exist. Yes. But her notes... Um, were so thorough and deliberate that it was clear that she imagined this thing that would would happen in the future. Yes. Um, but she didn't actually have it there to work on. And it's interesting as well what you say. I mean, I, I'm, I'm old enough to remember 
Uh, I mean, I, I remember having a, an Amstrad, and before that, a, Sin a Sinclair ZX Spectrum, which you plugged into your, your television. There are people now thinking, how old is yeah. this? Did you know Babbage? <laughs> I didn't know Babbage. Um, and, but the, the, the interesting thing is, I remember it being a bit of a revelation to me that you people didn't just use computers to calculate numbers. That's what I thought it was about. But, you know, as a word processor, it just seemed odd. Um, really weird to think that, you know, about 200 years before... Um, this woman had imagined yeah. that that's how computers could be used. Exactly. And and then th th that information was pretty much lost for 100 years. Yeah. And that Alan Turing was one of the people who rediscovered Ada Lovelace. Yeah, yeah. And amazing. Quite a society woman. Uh, Very much so. Life full of scandal and interest. Yes. Died yeah. young. Died only yes. at 36, so achieved yes. a very lot in yes. the, a lot of year, yes. young years. Yeah. Yes. As befits... A figure of scandal and intrigue. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you, don't want to, you don't want to die old. You want to die at the, at your, in your prime. Pack it in, yeah. Yes, <laughs> and we can get it in that, early. That, that's the way it goes. All right, so thank you for you, you, setting all that up. But what in Bristol now, at the Engine Shed, you've got events on Tuesday. We what, do. So what's, what's going to happen? Well, we start tomorrow with a school's visit. So Engine Shed, in the five years that we've been going, has hosted over 3,000 young people um, and over 500 teachers. Um, and this is part of our Diverse Workforce of the Future project, um, which includes not just the young people, but also parents and teachers. So uh, teachers have told us that very often, because of the pressures of work, they spend their time in school talking to teachers about school. So getting young people out of um, the classroom and into the workplace is very important for them. And it's very important for us to give young people experiences of that. So tomorrow we start with class five from Backwell Junior School who are coming in to do a tour, which we do in partnership with other um, science organisations around the Enterprise Zone behind Temple Meads. So Unit DX, which is a, a working space and a lab space, and Ultra Haptics, who were formerly part of Set Squared, now have their own offices in Temple Quarter. We work together with those partners to develop what we hope is an interesting experience for school children to walk around the Enterprise Zone. And so we're starting with that, and they're going to have the opportunity to do some coding with DigiLocal, one of our partners, and they're going to help them to build a poem about Ada Lovelace in Scratch, which uh, is a visual programming language. So that's how we start the day with some young people. But we're moving into the afternoon at four o'clock. We have an event where we have some of our female founders and female partners. Um, I mentioned Oracle earlier. Marina, who, who runs that programme, will be um, leading the events tomorrow. Um, and we will be using the opportunity to talk to young women and um, girls about career choices, about how these people made their career choices, their study choices, um, and and to talk to them and to have questions. And, that sort of, and it's not just for women and girls. I think the important thing for us is today is about women and girls, but actually the diversity and the inclusion and the changing of the workforce is what we're very much interested in. So um, it is open to everybody. Uh, following on from the event, we go to an older age group, so University of Bristol and University of West of England both get together um, once a month for Startup Drinks, which is a networking event for students who are perhaps thinking about starting their own businesses in the future. 
Okay. I, I just have to tell, I'm going to tell everybody again, again. Uh, that uh, I'm not wearing my glasses. Yeah. Uh, not deliberately, not yeah. to be difficult, not to be troublesome, but just because I left them on the kitchen table. So I drove here, but I can't read anything. And we've been talking uh, to Karen. Karen, Karen Drake is uh, operations officer uh, of the Engine Shed in Bristol, which is uh, down by, uh, well, it is uh, incorporated into, into the station. Now, have I got this date? 1841? Is that, is that Pretty the spot date? on, yeah. 1841 was when the engine uh, shed was built, when the station was built. It's the first thing, really, the, fir- the first building that operated as a station in Britain, I think. Yeah, I like to tell people in the world, but I might be over-egging it. But yes, the first combined station with passengers, ticketing and maintenance all in the same location. Well, we'll, we'll uh, we're going to come come back i'm sure talk a bit more about the uh, engine shed a bit later and uh, we've also been focusing on um, ada lovelace day which is tomorrow um because it's a great opportunity to um uh raise uh the huge important contribution that uh, women scientists uh, have made in, in particular it's always an odd thing isn't it when you when you uh uh, have a day like that, Ada Lovelace Day, because what you, you don't, in some ways, it's a bit like the program Woman's Hour on BBC Radio Four. You say, wait a minute, that's a bit, that's a bit. What do you mean Woman's Hour? Is it women can only listen for an hour, an hour uh, uh, a day? But that, of course, isn't hmm. isn't what it's all about. Um, but it is, it is important, as I tried to put it at the beginning of the show, to right some wrongs. And uh, to uh, put put uh, the emphasis differently. Now, this is this is going to seem very tangential. This is a science show, but as you know, we've got a lot of fans of science fiction, including our own Andrew Glester. Well, and me a bit, uh, nothing like you. I'm I'm in the shadow when it comes to your. Don't do um, yourself, don't. Uh, yeah, no, no, no. But I I like a bit of science fiction as well. Were you glued to the TV last night? I was indeed. Yeah, Doctor yeah. Who has returned. Uh, brilliantly. I yeah. mean, if you if you haven't seen it, we won't do any spoilers. But no, get, no. get yourself on the iPlayer and watch it. Just wonderful stuff. Well, um, Jodie Whittaker is the uh, the thirteenth Doctor Who, and um, she. Uh, came crashing into the show as one <laughs> reviewer has put it but if you haven't seen it uh, you'll see what we what we what we mean by that and uh, there have been rave reviews from her fans uh, Karen did you see it last night I did and I particularly watched it not as my research for today but because because of Jodie Whittaker because of the first woman doctor I haven't watched it since whenever it was that I was a small girl hiding behind the sofa mm-hmm. yeah. from the Daleks. So, no, I particularly wanted to watch it, and I wonder how many women and girls watched it last night, maybe for the first time, maybe for that reason, yeah. which mm. would be great. Yeah. Do you think you'll carry on watching it? I'll certainly watch it next week, and we'll okay. see how we go. I enjoyed it. I <laughs> yeah. really enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I, I think it's, um, it's, a, it's a wonderful sea, series anyway. I tend not to... Uh, just in case anyone's listening from the BBC, I tend not to say if there's a bad episode, because you, if they do hear you over here, they might think, "Oh dear, we better stop doing Doctor Who because somebody thought there was a bad episode," <laughs> and then they just fill the airwaves with more dancing on ice, yeah. <laughs> um, or whatever it is these days, and uh, and that would be a shame. So, uh, but but joke, but joking apart, and that aside, I thought it was a wonderful episode last night, and the whole ensemble cast were great. Um, 
The Woman Who Fell to Earth. I can't really do talk about it without doing spoilers. No. But, uh, but yes. we know there were some baddies in it. Yes. That came from another planet. We can probably say that. Yes. And... Was and, that the Tooth Fairy? And <laughs> it could be, it could be the Tooth Fairy, and and she, you know, she addresses the problem head on. Mm. Yeah, and she's there to help people. Oh, yeah. It's awesome. Help humanity. Yes, it's great. Uh, uh, the uh, ratings, uh, which are going to change, of course, the figures are in, and um, it made uh, eight point two million okay. uh, viewers last night. Um, that'll change because um, a lot of people haven't seen it yet. Who are going to well, why are you uh, listening to it? this if you've not seen it? Go watch it on BBC iPlayer. So uh, yeah, I, I I I give a thumbs up. Great, I, I loved it. Yeah, I enjoyed yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, really good. Well, let's uh, because of um, Ada Lovelace Day in particular, we're we're particularly uh, going to highlight um, uh, the achievements of uh, female scientists and the first uh, female. Scientist to win the Nobel Prize for Physics in 55 years. That's astonishing. But that, that's happened. Yes. So that's good. Can, uh, can you guys help me out with the detail on this <laughs> while, I, while I try and make my computer screen even bigger? Yeah, so the, uh, the, the Nobel Prize has been shared by three physicists. Uh, Gerard Maru of France and Donna Strickland of Canada have shared it for their work on lasers, uh, it, sort of improving the ability to do short, fast laser bursts. And Arthur Ashkin from the USA has also shared it with them um, for his work making optical tweezers. Um, and Optical tweezers sounds a bit like science fiction, doesn't it? It really does, yeah. But they... they gen- a bit like a sonic screwdriver. Yeah. You were talking about the ultra-haptics earlier. Yeah. Here in Bristol, we have a lot of this kind of work going on here in Bristol. There's some amazing work going on in Bristol, which I think a lot of people don't know about it because it's not called one of those big names I won't mention. But, yeah, a lot yeah. of really interesting work. Set Squared, for example, who I mentioned as the incubator, currently working with 83 tech companies in Bristol. Mm. So there's this, this technology which uses um, lasers and optics to physically move things, and there's these sonic things that can move things, and these are optical things that can move. Mm. So it's li- literally tweezers using, using lasers. They can move things around using lasers. That's incredible. And this other uh, that Gerard Maru and uh, Donna Strickland have shared is for these, these rapid bursts of, uh, of lasers which are being used in eye surgery which can probably help Malcolm be able to read what was going on. <laughs> yes I need to right now that 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 that, that would be really good yes the uh, the the first uh, female physicist in 55 years to be awarded a Nobel Prize for physics born in Ontario and uh, she uh, continues uh, her research. Uh, she's been teaching at the University of Waterloo in Ontario, Canada, since 1997, where she oversees uh, an uh, ultra-fast laser lab and uh, works with a team of undergraduate students. And uh, she's got a name that she, uh, she gives to herself. She calls herself a laser jock, <laughs> as opposed to laser geek. 
<laughs> and uh, she's very uh, interested in encouraging uh, women also, anybody, to go into physics, but particularly uh, women. So they, there you go. 93.2 or bcfmradio.com. And uh, we've been uh, uh, talking with uh, Karen Drake from the uh, Engine Shed uh, about, uh, oh, Ada, about the Engine Shed, about Ada... Uh, Lovelace Day, uh, which particularly highlights uh, the importance of uh, uh, the work of women in science, and uh, oh, Doctor Who, all kinds of things. And now we've just we've got another story. The BBC uh, picked up on on this um, four women who changed the uh, face of physics. I don't know if you had a chance to uh, uh, look at this, uh, either of you. Donna Strickland has become. Uh, only the third woman in history to win the Nobel Prize for Physics. She joins uh, Marie Curie, who won uh, in 1903, and uh, Maria Geppert-Meyer, who was awarded uh, the prize in 1963. And uh, the the story highlights uh, four uh, other women. Um, you would, Actually, you were telling me about a Nobel Prize winner from Bristol... That's right. Uh, so she wasn't from Bristol, but Dorothy Hodgkin, who was born 1910, um, was the only British female chemist to win the Nobel Prize in chemistry in 1964. So similar, uh-huh. a similar sort of timescale. Yeah. And she was after that. She was Chancellor at the University of Bristol 1971 to 88. Um, and Bristol University still has a science research name, centre named after her, so that's a good one for locally. It's a funny thing, isn't it? You could kind of... Well, I was going to say you could be forgiven for thinking, but you can't really be forgiven for thinking that women hadn't done anything since 1964. Yes, yes because yes. of the because of the history, because yeah. of the way the way that it's written, yeah. and because people were cheated out yes. of things. I mean, uh, the, the, the famous um, story about the, the double helix. Yeah. You know... And, and 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 how Rosalind uh, Franklin really should have been a, a joint receiver yeah. of that Nobel Prize with Crick and Watson, yeah. but just was left aside. I think there are, yeah, many examples. And you talked about writing wrongs, but I was reading that you can't get a Nobel Prize posthumously, so no. we can't write all of those wrongs. No, and it doesn't do any good for those no, people. It's, people it's, that it's gone. Specifically talking about that, there's Vera Rubin who discovered dark matter. I mean, what a discovery, and just shunned by the by the uh, the committees. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, that would surely yeah. be the immediate thing, just give yeah. it to her. But it yeah. didn't happen, and she's no longer with us, so it can't happen. It can't now. happen. Yeah. I mean, we can still celebrate her work and uh, her work will still be remembered. Maybe the Nobel Prize isn't the most important thing, but the science is the most important thing, but wouldn't it be nice if they just... This was the turning point and they started to recognise everybody that was doing the work. Absolutely. I think when you're choosing your exam subjects at school, you don't think, I want to be a Nobel laureate. No. <laughs> you might think, what's my next classroom experience or what do my teachers or my parents expect from me or what do I enjoy? But yes. that's probably not the role model, maybe, at 15, 16, that you're looking at. So those yeah. important uh, yeah. role models we still need. Yeah, and there's Jocelyn Bell-Burnell, who is, uh, famously didn't get the Nobel Prize for the discovery of pulsars. Yes. And she recently won the Breakthrough Prize, and she got something like 2.5... I don't know what. It was a, it was a number a lot of, of money. <laughs> and well, and she's, she's just said, I don't need the money, and put that money aside for people from underrepresented areas of physics. Yeah. Yes. To, to go into, to be funded to go and study physics. And that is, you know, that's 
that's the measure of the person, really, isn't it? Isn't absolutely it? wonderful. It's, it's 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 absolutely incredible. We we uh, did a, a story on this show um, uh, uh, a couple of years back, uh, and and uh, we we went. Uh, it was something to do with uh, British Aerospace, and they were doing demonstrations. They were involving young people and things. And I remember interviewing a, a young girl. She was something like 12, 13 years old. And I said, have you enjoyed the day? She said, oh, it's been fantastic. And they were looking at robots and all kinds of things like that. And she said, I'll never forget this. She said, I didn't realise that girls could be engineers. I thought, wow, this yeah. is incredible. It's great, yeah. You know, in the 21st century, I didn't realise that girls could be engineers. But, of course, it is changing. And and, and, and actually, sometimes the irritants show how it's changed. And I'm going slightly off the story that we we were highlighting. But, of course, in CERN last week, um, we had the the story of... um, of of, of a scientist who really... uh, um, uh, uh, seemed to lose the plot, <laughs> and uh, at an event at CERN, the, the you know which houses the Large Hadron Collider, specifically for encouraging uh, young women in physics and engineering, uh, said, "Well, science is a man's thing, really. It's been built by men, developed by men, or physics, uh, mm. particularly." And um, sixteen. 100 scientists have already signed a petition, a lot more are going to sign it, mm. to say this is absolute nonsense. I, his name's Alessandro Strumier, if, yeah. you, want, if you want to find out mm. about it, maybe complain yes. yourself. Um, <laughs> he's, uh, it turns out he, he went for a job, he didn't get the job, and a woman got the job, and that's, that may be the root of this particular strop, I mean, <laughs> presentation <laughs> that yes. he made. Yes. Um, but yeah, astonishing. It's sort of astonishing, and then it isn't astonishing, you know, this, this, this kind of you wouldn't need Ada Lovelace Day if people like this weren't prominent in the science yeah. world, if they weren't prominent in the world. And I think what's astonishing, so I've got my fact here from Augustus de Morgan, said about Ada Lovelace when she was trying to solve her mathematical problems, that the very great tension of mind which they require is beyond the strength of a woman's physical power of application. <laughs> That's 200 years ago. I'm not expecting, really, to be hearing that sort of thing today. Yeah, yeah. No, quite. But I, I, I would like to say that it is wonderful news for all scientists everywhere that dinosaurs are still alive and making <laughs> presentations. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well... You, you, you like to think, you know, one, one could never, never go back. Um, if you're interested, you can look at the BBC uh, site, uh, which uh, highlights his four uh, very worthy um, uh, women who, who have been honoured for um, their contributions to science. Um, the people actually, I have to, I'm, I'm ashamed to admit, I didn't know about. Vera Rubin is one of them. She's a US um, astronomer. Um, Hertha. Uh, I think I got this right. Ayton, Hertha Ayton, British physicist and mathematician. I had not heard of her either. This is absolutely dreadful. Uh, Fabiola uh, 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 Giamatti, uh, the Italian particle physicist, I do know of uh, because she's um, heading up CERN. So uh, she's uh, uh, there. And we already mentioned Jocelyn Bell Burnell. British astrophysicist, famous for discovering uh, the pulsar. And she failed her 11 plus. Did she really? Wow. (laughs) 
They didn't yeah. ask about pulse cells in that. No, I passed my 11 plus and I'm nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> Have you had the Nobel Prize either? No, you haven't. I haven't had the Nobel Prize. Not yet. Nothing's happened to yeah. me. There's yeah. a direct correlation between not get passing your 11 plus. <laughs> no, no, hang on. <laughs> she said also she had a really good physics teacher who t- taught her actually how easy physics is. Right? So, yeah. It is really easy. I remember doing it at school, just wired plugs. <laughs> um, <laughs> now I make the Physics World podcast. So, but I think they make me make that so that it's somebody stupid asking the questions. Yeah. I think that's why they do that. My physics teacher used to walk in to the front of the room and he would start writing oh, yeah. on the board in, with chalk hmm. and uh, we would uh, copy out what he... So what he'd written on the board, yeah. and then at the end of the lesson, he'd walk out. Oh, that's amazing! And that was that was uh, our physics uh, lecture. Way to learn. Yeah, my I, my physics teacher at school. He he walked in. He said, "Hello, um, my name's Mr. Brown." That wasn't his name. Um, I can't remember his name. And he said, "I'm Mr. Brown. I'm a chemistry teacher, so I don't really know about physics, but I'm just going to be here uh, temporarily." And uh, five years later, he was still my physics teacher. Mm. So he hadn't learned much, and neither had I. Mine was Mr. Frost. I remember Mr. Frost because he took my Rubik's Cube away. Oh. Can't what? remember much of the physics, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> Did you remember more after he took the Rubik's Cube away? He also taught another subject. Most of my teachers taught two subjects. Maybe the physics wasn't his specialist subject. Yeah. What was the thing? So in science, what did, what did you like most? Uh, biology. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's interesting, isn't it? I I think I I liked physics most, but disliked the physics teaching <laughs> most. Yeah, um, our chemistry teacher was absolutely fantastic. Yeah, he was and that's amazing. that thing again, isn't it? About finding a, a teacher or a role model or somebody to work with who inspires you. Yeah, it's inspiring people it's is, incredibly is, important. is the skill. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, physics, joking apart, physics is amazing. Yeah. I think if at school I'd have been told that physics could help me understand the orbit of planets, I'd probably been a bit more interested in yeah. it than if yeah. it was just wiring plugs. Yeah. And I think that's the other thing. It's how do you use it? Why am I learning this? How will it be of use to me in my real life? Yeah. And uh, I remember asking that in maths at school. Why do I need to know geometry? Why do I need to know that? But I think, uh, you know, if you can think about how you're going to use it later and solving problems um, is something I think certainly going back to girls I think girls are very interested in solving problems and working things out and if you talk about science and engineering as boy boy skills boy tasks boy jobs then that's obviously not inspiring Uh, but if you talk about working things out that's quite inspiring it's a basic human thing to do isn't it and uh, real life problems girls as well of course um so uh, we will have seen uh, well all of us saw a pretty serious report uh, about climate change uh, out uh, out this morning um or yes, yesterday I think it came out, and it's uh, it's uh, people are being talk- talking about it, saying that the um, two uh, uh, degree rise in temperature, which uh, previously been thought, well, we could uh, we could handle that as a planet. Uh, in fact, uh, scientists are now saying actually 1.5 is about as far as uh, as far as we can go without fairly catastrophic uh, effects, particularly uh, in um, in uh, poorer countries, 
massive risks of flooding and uh, uh, just the results of catastrophic weather, uh, too much heat, too much cold, all kinds of things uh, that uh, uh, might happen. We really need to uh, start looking after our planet urgently. We do. Who knew? And there's um, everyone knew. Yeah. The, <laughs> it's, it's a funny thing, isn't it? Because when, back when they set that two degree thing, I remember uh, seeing a, a, a climate scientist at the time talking about how they picked two degrees. And he, he was kind of joking and kind of telling the truth. He was saying that they picked two degrees because it was easier for politicians to understand than 1.5. You know, they, <laughs> they were saying, I mean, you know, but it, they were saying, okay, so we need to find a way of communicating this to politicians in a way that they'll be able to, to handle. And if, if we say 1.5, it doesn't feel as real to them as saying 2%. Yeah. They average it down to one. Oh, one will be enough. Yeah. A bit like our five-a-day vegetables. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, I, I remember talking to somebody uh, just uh, just as a quick aside from the five a day uh, f- five a day vegetable campaign, and they said, "Look, look, look, we just pulled that out of the bag because we just wanted people to eat more vegetables." We thought, "How many people eat five vegetables a day? Not many." Uh, yeah. <laughs> and so let's at least get people up to five. Yeah. So, and, but so yeah, to, to, st- to stick to stick with the, the climate thing. Yeah, mm. um, and if you talk to because which I do, I talk, talk to climate scientists quite a lot for, yeah. my, for my day job. Right? Yeah, and if you talk to them off air without the microphone turned on, they're so much more passionate, so much more vehement about it. Yes, but they have to, or they feel they have to yes. temper what they're saying when they're talking to the public, and actually their concern about climate change has been far more dramatic than it's been in the public domain for for years but they've had to temper it yeah and temper it and temper it and maybe that's why we're at this point now where we've really got to start working at it yes but i just don't think we are i mean uh, call me negative and call me a pessimist but i don't see people changing their their lifestyles enough no and no. I don't know what we do about that. Any ideas, no. anyone? Well, they're saying uh, two, two good recommendations are, uh, one, we need to think about our lifestyle, so try and take seriously all the things that we've been hearing about, but uh, just try and take it, take it seriously about our driving habits and our use of energy and so on. And uh, also, you know, vote for people who take it seriously, because at least, at least it should be on a politician's agenda. Yeah. Um, now, John Ford is my hero. I often Always. say I often say bad things about John, <laughs> just because it amuses me to do so. But today I have to say you are my hero because you loan me your glasses. Yes, Thank yes, you so just much. Just leave them on the table when you leave. I, will. <laughs> I won't get through the next three hours without them. I can assure you of that. Yeah. Have you had a good week? I've had a, a lovely week, thank you. Yeah, you're going to ask me if uh, you've forgotten anything yeah. that you should have been talking about of what happened on this day scientifically. Well, I would tell you, but I can't read my paper because I haven't got my glasses. <laughs> <laughs> it's, okay. it's OK, we haven't got time anyway because we're coming up to the end of, of your show, so you keep it to the end of the programme. I will say, though, you were talking about women in science earlier Yeah. who invented the pot rivet. It was a woman. Was it? It was a woman, yeah. And uh, this was the lady. Don't ask me her name. I can't remember. <laughs> I can't remember her name. But I will find out, um, and I'll tell you after 4 o'clock. All right, uh, OK. If you go around Arnest Court, uh, Arnest Court uh, Cemetery, yeah. which is a fascinating place. Have you been? Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, fascinating. It's a great yeah. place. And you get the pamphlet. It tells you all about uh, the lady who's buried in there. She was the lady of Arnest Court Mansion. She was the one that commissioned the Arnest Castle, which was the staff quarters and stables there. But she was an engineer, and she invented uh-huh. the pot rivet. 
Uh, all right. Well, uh, stay tuned uh, to uh, the radio because uh, John Ford will be getting Bristol home uh, after this, after the news. Uh, we've got uh, a big thanks to say to Karen Drake and uh, from Andrew and me. Have yourselves a very good evening. Thanks for being with us. Don't forget to join us again next week. Thank you.